I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight podcast. Today, I am joined by Maureen Scullin. Maureen is a painter working primarily in oils and acrylics, specializing in realistic fine art and portraits. Maureen calls Fuquay Verena home, and I'm pleased to welcome her to the Artist Spotlight. Maureen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chip. This is really awesome that you're doing this to spotlight artists around our area. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been fun. So as we do in each episode, can you share with our audience a project that you maybe just finished or something you're working on just to kind of ground them in what you're up to today? Sure. Right now, I'm doing some commissions for um, people. I do very realistic portraits and um, so people, animals, but I'm also got a big project I'm doing where I'm going to do a watercolor, 16 by 20 watercolor of a subject and they're figurative drawings and paintings. And then I'm going to also duplicate that in oils. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I want to grow as an artist. And I feel I learn a lot when I do watercolors and I'm going to apply it to my oils. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I've, I've heard a number of artists who will work in another medium to sort of inform their art in their primary medium. So that's a, another example of that. Exactly. It, it makes you make decisions quickly in watercolors where in oils you may keep pushing and pushing. So I'm hoping that it will help me Once I hit the oils, I've got a lot of those decisions made. Interesting. Well, I'm in a, as a photographer, the digital world, it gets to be very easy just to keep shooting, 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 and you, your, your process gets fast and you don't worry about things. Well, I'm actually planning on doing a film project because I haven't touched film in decades to slow my process down, sort of a similar, I think, idea of, all right, how do I get better and my primary medium by going back to something that makes me think and operate differently. Exactly. That's exactly um, the premise of what I'm doing. Very cool. Well, the first question is, what is your earliest memory of making art of any kind? Well, I come from an artistic family and I remember a project I was assigned in first grade And I worked on that and I got a little bit of influence from my mom and my dad. And then I, my fondest memories, earliest memories are working on my art in my dad's art studio. He was also an artist. So those are great, like little kid memories of sitting there and doing, you know, drawings and watching my dad paint and saying someday I'd like to do that. And you've clearly followed in his footsteps. Mm -hmm. I have. So some of this has already, I think, explained, but let's let's dig to a little deeper is, you know, what brought you to your current medium of uh, oils and acrylic? And, and now I learn a bit of watercolor as well. And, and what keeps you in those media? What do you like about them? Well, watercolors continue to scare the death of me. I mean, <laughs> um, so... I moved, I graduated from watercolors to acrylics. They dried too fast, so I went to oils. And then I also worked as an illustrator when I was younger um, for a number of years, and I had deadlines. So those deadlines would, 
you know, be rearing their ugly heads and oils don't dry fast. So I found alkids, my dad suggested alkids, which are, they act exactly like oils, but they dry faster. I don't use those as much, but I will use them from time to time. But um, I will go back to my watercolors, as I was mentioning earlier. I do love watercolors. They're, they're just really scary. And after you, if you do a 16 by 20 drawing and you get everything in place and you hit it with your watercolors, you're, you've got to say, oh, my God, I hope the best happens. And things happen that you can't even imagine that are absolutely incredible, but it could go the other way, too. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to challenge myself. Okay. Uh, what inspires your art? Where does it come from? Obviously, commissions have their own direction, but for the things that you do outside of commission, where do those inspirations come from? Um, they come from inside. They, I have always, always loved it. Um, it's my happy place. It is, I, I can't not paint almost every day. I absolutely enjoy every minute of it. And I'm constantly looking at different things that I want to paint. I have a huge file um, of things I want to do. So it's it's really very easy for me to be inspired. In fact, it's it's sometimes I need to turn it off because I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I just absolutely love it. And I'm now doing it full time again. And so it's I, I'm so grateful that I can do that. So what are some of the subjects that tend to float to the top when you're doing the work that is your happy place? People. I love doing people. I cannot, when I do a drawing on canvas to start it, I can't wait to start painting someone's face. Mm -hmm. I love flesh tones and all the colors that are within flesh tones. And of course, you're trying very hard to get the likeness of somebody, but you're also trying to capture the way life really is, the way reality really is on canvas. And I can't tell you how excited I get to take that first brush stroke on a face and get started. So those are some of the things um, I get commissioned to do, you know, people's beloved pets that have passed away. I get commissioned to do a lot of grandchildren from uh, grandparents. They want to capture their kids, their grandkids, um, even more than the parents, <laughs> which I find funny. But um Really, I just look for inspiration in all the different things I see. Lighting is so important to me. And I know you as a photographer understand mm -hmm. that. So lighting, if something's captured, um, if I can sit somebody and light them and paint them in the way I want, all that really inspires me. Well, I've got tons of respect for, for painters like you, the ability to capture light. Uh, I mean, for me, that's all I'm doing, right? I've, I've got either a film or sensor that's capturing the light, but to be able to render it utilizing paint on canvas, you know, I can't even wrap my head around that. Um, so I've got tons of respect for for what you're able to accomplish with that. Well, thank you. I have respect for photographers too. My my husband is a great photographer and I can't do what he does with the his, you know, what he captures on film. I can't do it. It's It's really an art. So I congratulate you too. So uh, what advice would you give to uh, artists just starting out? My biggest advice would be to understand light, like we just talked about, how important it is. Understand color. So, for example, my dad really taught me so much about art and uh, all the different 
mediums and et cetera. He gave me the three primary colors and said, that's it. That's all you get. You are going to paint from the three primary colors. And so I did. He gave me a color wheel and he said, you know, okay, go for it. And I actually worked with him with, in commercial art. And so I was like, you got to be kidding me. But it was one of the best lessons I ever had because now I can see a shadow that has more color in it. You know, it has more maybe purples in it. And I know what colors to grab to mix that. Um, I also recommend that young people starting out, older people that want to take up art, that they take classes and they learn the basics. And then you take those basics and apply them to however you want to do your art. And there's a book that I'm going to recommend everybody read, and it's called Drawing from the Right Side of the Brain. I read it about 30 years ago. It changed my life because it teaches you not to see things as your brain tries to make them out to be. So for example, you look at a tree, your brain says, oh, there's a trunk and there's leaves and there's this and that. No, look at it as shapes, yeah. color. How is the lighting hitting it? Um, I, I taught some classes uh, to young kids, my daughters and their friends. And some kids were like, I can't draw. And I said, let's turn it upside down. Let's turn it sideways. Now, what do you see? Oh, I see this shape, that shape. I see that shadow. So that's what you try to do as an artist. So I recommend to artists that they read that book and they truly try to see things as they are, not as we perceive them to be. Well, it's brilliant. And the suggestion, and I've heard of the idea of utilizing and drawing in shapes. Okay, here's a circle, here's a triangle, you know, here's some lines leading in this direction. But the idea of taking your source material and rotating it so right. that you're forcing your brain to just leave the obvious, if you will, alone, I, I think that's brilliant. It, you know what it really is, and it honestly changed, and I even do it as I'm just observing things. I'll be talking to people and I see, I don't see an eye. I see the way the light hits it and the shape that makes that eye. I don't see it as an eye as our brain wants to draw the eye and the little people inside. And the more you can do that, the better you will be able to put that on campus. On campus, I mean. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, cool. One of the parts of this show that I, I just really enjoy is the, the the last question which is you know what artist should we go check out this could be somebody you've recently discovered or an old master that you go back to time and time again the number one old master i go back to time and time again is john singer sergeant mm. and the reason being is that john singer sergeant in just a few brush strokes if you really look at his work there's a brush stroke for that shape. There's a brush stroke for that. And I aspire to be that good. In fact, I did a John Singer Sargent for our fabulous fakes for Fine Arts League of Cary because I, I wanted to understand his process more. And that's a good thing for artists to do, especially starting out or, you know, as long as I've been in it, go to the masters and try to emulate. If you really like them, emulate them. The other one I would recommend is Richard Schmid. He, unfortunately, we lost him last year. He was an amazing artist and an amazing teacher. And this is what I truly, truly believe. And I'm sure you do as well. As artists, as creatives, pay it forward. Whatever you've learned, be gracious and pay it forward. So he took, you know, he learned from people that learned from John Singer Sargent and, and those masters. He said, it's so wonderful to pass it on because 
then that person takes it and makes it their own. But he's one that I would tell people to look up, look at his paintings. They're incredible. The design of his paintings, same with Singer Sargent. Another more um, is someone that's still with us and is a modern artist is Tina Garrett. Hmm. Incredible portraits, incredible flesh tones. I mean, every time I see her pieces, I'm just in awe. Um, and that's another thing. If you go to galleries and you seek out these artists, I remember standing in front of a John Singer in New York City Museum, and I had tears in my eyes because I could, it was like, I cannot believe <laughs> what he did on canvas. This is incredible. It, so as a, as a young artist, I would go and ser search those people. And as an artist like myself, I continue to try to grow. And that's part of it is constantly seeking out those that are really doing something incredible. Well, thank you. Uh, and you didn't specifically call it out, but I think it's implied in what you said is where you can get out and see the originals in person. Yes. Yeah, there's nothing like standing in a museum and seeing it for yourself. And you can really see the flesh tones and you can really see that, you know, the way that someone rendered that building in the background or it's, it, there's nothing like it. And so I would encourage people, no matter where you live, there's museums everywhere, go, go to them and stand there and look at them. And some museums will actually let artists sit and paint the masters. You get special permission. Well, and, and if a, a museum isn't in your backyard, then find your local gallery. Um, and, yes. uh, you know, most galleries will, will happily allow you to wander and, and look and ask questions. You're absolutely right. That's a great idea. And there's some wonderful artists out there that aren't famous that yeah. are sitting in their studio gallery and we should all go encourage them. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, we get inundated with images on Instagram and other places and uh, it's not the same. Um, and even photographs, you know, where yes. when it gets put down on paper, it changes. Um, you know, whether, you know, my own work, it's a very different experience to see it in person versus it is online. But, you know, I had the opportunity um, a couple of years ago, we had the Ansel Adams show come through the North Carolina Museum of Art. And oh. I got to go spend some time, you know, right up close with, you know, original prints. And oh, my God. It is such a different experience. I mean, yeah. I've got Ansel Adams books and all that, and that's nice. But to actually, you know, see a print at the size that he had them printed and using a master printer, um, wow, it just makes a difference seeing it in person. It does. And you know, too, that he especially was so particular in the way his pieces were printed, and he even did some of his own in the darkroom. So you're right, standing there looking at this masterpiece and knowing that he took such, I mean, I'm a, a fan of his as well, knowing the things that that man did and then standing there looking at them yeah. must've been absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. definitely a, um, a, a traveling show that if you have a chance and you uh, have any appreciation for landscape photography is, is a must see. Uh, absolutely, I would, I would love to see his work. Yeah, so would my husband. 
But uh, that brings us to the end of our time. And I want to make sure that folks can find your work. Uh, and I'll have links uh, to your recommended artists and to all your work in the show notes, of course. But your website is mskullandfineart.com. And you're also on Instagram and Facebook. And I'll have those links. Where else uh, might folks be able to find your work in the virtual world? In the virtual world, um, also on a new uh, platform called Musero, which is um, M-U-S-E-R-O. And that's at where you can find me there is at Maureen Scullin Fine Art. And uh, that's a wonderful new platform, very much like Instagram used to be. So I encourage um, all creatives to go put their stuff there. And then also people that appreciate art to constantly look at it because it's wonderful. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter and uh, as artists and Chip, you're going to agree with me. Um, <laughs> trying to keep up with all this, <laughs> a funny antidote, an old friend of my dad's who's an artist put on Instagram a pie and the pie showed artists years ago, how much time they spent in the studio and how much time they spent on, you know, promoting themselves. And the, there was a little piece of the pie was promoting Nowadays, there's this huge part of the pie that social media promotion, whatever, and that poor artist has got this teeny little time in the studio. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know if it's quite as dramatic as that because we we think about it that way. Yes. But even we were just talking about Ansel Adams. The reason everybody knows Ansel Adams is is not just because he had fabulous work, which he did, but he was well promoted. Um, both by his own efforts and as well as partnering up with other folks to promote his work. Uh, and he saw opportunities like getting a contract from the U.S. federal government to document the early stages of our national park system, um, knowing full well that that would then, you know, get his work in front of a whole lot of eyeballs. Right. Uh, so I think it's it, one of the things that uh, is Another piece of advice for every artist is to understand that no matter how wonderful your work is, the idea that you will be discovered <laughs> is a fallacy. You have to get out and promote your work. You, you have to be your, your own advocate until you get to a certain point where you then have other people promoting your work. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you got to get out and do the work. Uh, of right. promoting yourself as well as doing the work of creating it. Right. You just have to find a balance, you know, exactly. I think he was just trying to make light of it yeah. um, because of all the different, but you know what, look at on a positive note, look at all the places that we get to promote ourselves nowadays compared to what there was, it, you know, and I've gotten a lot of commissions that way. So, and people have bought my art that way, my fine art. So it is a great thing. This yeah. balance. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, Maureen, and thank you again to our audience for uh, your interest and support in the show. Tune in next time for another discussion with a contemporary artist. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at shipfrointphoto.com slash blog, and you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.